Welcome to the Bite Size Security Podcast, your source for practical online security advice. Join me, my guests, and sometimes my trained AI voice as I explore ways to protect your digital footprint against the growing cyber threats. From mastering better passwords to understanding encryption and VPNs, the Bite Size Security Podcast breaks complex topics into clear guidance. It's time to take control of your online presence. You're listening to the Bite Size Security Podcast. Unlocking solutions for your digital life. Let's get to it. As a security engineer, I'm curious about your thoughts on the intersection of professional cybersecurity roles and personal social media use. And specifically, using platforms like TikTok, does that compromise the trustworthiness of security professionals? I did a LinkedIn poll on this, and it was rather interesting because it was more of a mixed bag, but it really came back as, at least in the United States, the answer was no, that they wouldn't trust a security professional that uses a platform like TikTok. Now, they don't really give any information as to why that was just a short poll and that was their vote. Personally, I find it a rather simplistic view, and I'm going to go over a few of the reasons why I feel that way, and you can totally disagree with me on this one. And if you do disagree, look in the show notes. There's a contact area. Please contact me. I'd love to know what some opposing viewpoints are on this. So the first thing is professional versus personal use. And I think a security engineer can be proficient in their job while using social media platforms for personal entertainment or networking. And furthermore, I think from what I have seen, that if you take a piece of information that you want to give out, you're going to reach a completely different audience there that may be very receptive to your message and might need to hear it, but is not getting the education and not getting the understanding that they need because there's an entire generation of people that have decided it's not trustworthy and they're not going to go there. But they don't understand, or maybe they don't care, that the platforms they're used to promoting on are not used in other countries, or it's only in English and they're not using subtitles, or you're not reaching a generation of people who are younger who just are not going to be on LinkedIn looking at your stuff, or maybe that maybe that platform is blocked in that country. YouTube doesn't seem to get the respect that it once did. I, I use it and I still like YouTube myself, but it's very different. You're getting a lot of different people that are not going to find your message on uh, a long video, right? If I do a if I do a long video on multi-factor authentication on YouTube, I got to be honest with you. Unless you're a power player, if you're a small creator, that's not going to go anywhere. And if you do a short, I hope you have you know a very entertaining way to do that because that's also really not going to go anywhere. It's just not how that platform promotes. But maybe you'll have different luck. But if you were to do the same video and you were to do that on TikTok, you would hit an entirely different audience of younger people that have different opinions or maybe actually find that information valuable, especially when they're looking for cybersecurity information or career advice, which is going to be a completely different audience than you're going to find on LinkedIn, which would again be a completely different audience than anybody listening to this podcast. And it's a completely different audience from newsletters. So it's rather interesting to simply dismiss something. And that's professional versus personal use. Number two could be awareness and risk management. So, you know, security professionals are typically well-informed about the risks associated with social media. And they're more likely to take precautions to mitigate these risks, such as strong, unique passwords, enabling two-factor authentication, which you can do on these platforms. 
and being cautious about the personal information they share. So if you have a security engineer that has a channel on YouTube and a channel on TikTok, and they're just sharing information about cybersecurity and how to secure yourself and be better in the digital world and you know, take care of your own personal information as well as you know, people, family, friends, loved ones, how is that a bad message to spread to the world? I don't think it is. I think it's our obligation to take the knowledge and the understanding that we have as technology professionals, people that do understand this, and spread that information and to, to a different audience, a different generation that needs to hear it, that wants to hear it, but needs to not hear it in technical terms. So, for example, if I was going to explain cybersecurity to my mom, I would tell her it's about you know, securing your information and bad guys are out there to get it and they want to steal it and they want to you know, social engineer or you know, use your information to get loans or, or medicine, whatever, or make fake IDs, who knows. But I'm not going to be able to describe that to her talking about ES encryption and all these other kind of terms. It's going to go over her head and she's going to tune me out. So it's a message that needs to be put out to different audiences. And I think that that message can be spread on a multitude of platforms with not compromising your own information. Number three would be understanding of platform security. So just being familiar with a wide range of platforms, uh, including TikTok, can give security professionals a broader understanding of different security models potential vulnerabilities, and the way in which user data is handled. So understanding those different platforms, if you're going to be an expert on something, usually you need to use it yourself and understand it and understand the audience in order to disseminate that information. For example, my podcast now is at least six minutes. Some people will listen to that. Uh, I do not think this would be a very successful podcast on YouTube or most other platforms. People have tuned out. They're not going to listen. So it's a different audience. The audience that I'm potentially reaching now is interested in listening to something for more than 30 seconds or a couple of minutes. And that's not normal for these other platforms, but the information can still be pertinent. So I think as a professional, just negating and ignoring things that are out there matter. There's a whole generation, if you ignore that, there's an entire generation of people that are learning from people who are much younger, who do not have the industry experience, and they might be learning a lot of the wrong stuff. But they're not going to know it because the generation that's supposed to be teaching them has decided that they're not going to participate in that at all. And so you have younger people teaching younger people, and who knows? And a lot of it's marketing. I've seen some rather interesting things on the platform where you have very prolific influencers with, you know, 20 plus 40, 60,000 followers, which is quite huge. And they've only been in cybersecurity for a year. I mean, okay. It seems like this industry, I mean, I've only been in it for five years and had it as a personal hobby, something that I've done for quite some time, including an IT career. And I'm still learning a lot and understanding this thing. So I don't understand anybody, anybody who has one year under their belt is suddenly an expert about the field. So there should be more people in that space educating and giving different opinions on that rather than just a certain you know, generation giving that, that information. Which leads me to number four, which is educational and outreach purposes. I mean, some security professionals use platforms like TikTok to educate the public about cybersecurity, digital hygiene, and the importance of data privacy. Absolutely. It's a platform that's going to hit a different audience. 
you should take advantage of that. And I, I think that is huge. You have an educational and outreach opportunity that you normally wouldn't have with other platforms. So there is something to be said for that. Five is keeping up with trends. So social media platforms are often the front lines of new types of security threats. So being familiar with these platforms can help professionals understand emerging threats and evolving digital landscape. A lot of the things, breaking news or breaking threats are going to happen in the social media space long before they ever hit the news. And so if you want to keep up with those trends in order to educate and understand, then you're going to need to be on the forefront of that. And that's usually in very popular worldwide platforms. Six would be personal choice and privacy. So using a social media platform does not automatically imply irresponsible behavior. I mean, privacy settings and usage patterns vary greatly among individuals. So how you're using it in a professional capacity does not make you less trustworthy. You could reverse the script. If you were in a different country, you could say, I don't trust a security professional that would use YouTube. It's the same thing. To me, you're negating a platform based upon how, you know, something that you're thinking about or how you're using it. And I think the important part to think about is how are you using it? Are you being secure? Are you being safe? Are you using it as a platform to educate people? Okay, then that message should be spread in uh, a very, you know, a variety of different things. What I say in this podcast could be really toned down to be something that could be on YouTube, could be something that could be on TikTok, could be something that's on a newsletter. There's a lot of different ways to take this information and change it so that I can get this message out to the right people. You also have a number seven, we demonstration of security principles. So, you know, a security engineer might use social media to demonstrate good security practices like avoiding oversharing personal information or recognizing phishing attempts or identifying misinformation. Those are all good uses of that platform to help educate. And number eight, a diverse exposure. So exposure to a variety of technologies, including social media, can enhance your ability to adapt to new security challenges. So I don't think that the use of a social media platform like TikTok automatically negates a security engineer's skills or commitment to cybersecurity. I think it's more important to evaluate their professional expertise, understanding of security risks, and how they manage their digital footprint. That, to me, makes them more of a trustworthy individual than simply using or not using a platform. In my capacity, I want to teach and talk about cybersecurity just like I did with fitness that I've, I've done for years. And how I reach that audience, then I just have to change and adapt. If I decide that all I'm going to do is do a newsletter and a blog, okay, that's fine. And that could work really well, but I could do a lot better if I engage my audience in the way that they want to consume information. So for example, I think reading is important. I know how to read, but I don't sit down and read a lot of books, but I do listen to a lot of podcasts, I do listen to a lot of audiobooks that I get through the library. So if you've got a really, really good book I should, I should read, you're not going to catch me necessarily because that, that isn't how I consume information. But if you have that book in an audible format, I will listen to it. So you can take the same information in different formats 
and reach a much large, larger audience. So you take that blog, you take that newsletter, and you read it, right? Let's say you just read it, whatever. Now it's a podcast, and you've just reached an entirely different audience. It's not interested in more email, and they're not really going to read your blog. They don't have time for that. But they are going to listen to what you're saying on a commute or in the car, just like you might be listening to this podcast. Then you take that information, and you decide, I'm going to take what I'm saying and try to make it under three minutes because people who are in a hurry, it's better practice for public speaking. It's better practice for not rambling. It helps you communicate your message clearly, concisely, quickly. So using different platforms for me has been very, it's been very helpful. Let me put it that way. The information that I'm able to disseminate if I take two things of, of equal value, I won't be able to disseminate that information on YouTube that I can on TikTok. I could have the exact same message and the exact same video of me doing that. And it's not going to be shown on YouTube for whatever reason, algorithm or who knows. But I can reach out to people who are curious, ask questions, will share that. And I can educate people on a different platform. So if I have a message and I think it's important, let's take two-factor authentication. I think that's really important to enable on every account you can enable it on. Sure, it's a little bit challenging to get a code, but it's actually not that hard. Once you get used to it, it's like a no-brainer. But it is really important to do it. So I can write that in a blog. I can write that in the newsletter. I could do it in the podcast. I can do it on YouTube. I can do it on TikTok. I am going to get that message out that it's very important to do this on a multitude of platforms. So people are you know, consuming that that message in a variety of ways. And if I could just help one person put 2FA on an account that matters to them, whereas they don't get compromised or the identity doesn't get stolen or they don't lose their email account or they don't lose one of their social media accounts or they're on TikTok and they go, oh, I, oh, I didn't realize I had 2FA. I guess I should turn that on. I'm all for that because the message I'm putting out is important and I'm more interested in how the message gets out and is received than I am in the platform that I'm doing it on. So however, whoever and however they need to consume that information is how I'm going to do it. And I think there's a benefit to me too because it helps me get better at things I'm not good at, which is getting to the point quickly, right? A podcast for me is okay because it's 20 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever. And, and I don't mind listening to something long because I'm usually doing something longer. But when I'm watching a short video, I'm looking for a tidbit of information, a piece of information. kind of want to consume it quickly. And I really don't have time for one minute of your antics or whatever it is you're doing. And for me as a producer of that content, it's difficult. I Getting to the hook quickly and capturing people within three seconds, that's just new to me. And that's not my forte. I'm used to this kind of a medium where people are listening and I'm not having to rush explanations. So I'm pretty excited about the different platforms that are out there and how to communicate a single message and then disseminate it in a variety of ways. And I'll go back to, you know, that just that book example that I gave. You might have a great book, but I don't really put aside the time necessarily to read it like some people really do put a time, put aside time to read something. I prefer to listen to it. So you're going to reach a much larger audience by having your book in an audible format. Now you've got the people that read and the people that listen. And I kind of feel the same way 
the social media platforms. Sure, I can do a blog post. I can stick to this podcast where I feel comfortable. But if I put myself out there in a kind of a public facing area where I'm talking on video, which is new to me, I'm looking at a camera, which is new to me, it puts me in a different, I guess, exposure area and I can reach an entirely different audience with the same message that I think is important to get out there. So back to the original question. Would you trust a security engineer that's on TikTok or do you agree that it doesn't really negate their skill or commitment to cybersecurity? It's more important you know, to evaluate the professional expertise, the understanding of security risks and how they manage their digital footprint and how they use those platforms. I would actually love to hear from somebody on this and you can find my contact information in the show notes. Otherwise, please do like and share this podcast. It will help get the word out and I appreciate everybody listening. Thanks for listening to another episode of Bite Size Security, the quick hitting podcast serving bite-sized tips to boost your online safety. We covered a lot of ground today and easy to digest nuggets of practical cybersecurity advice. If you want to learn more ways to protect your data and identity online, be sure to subscribe for future episodes. We'll continue breaking down complex security topics into straightforward guidance anyone can apply. Visit our website, bitesizesecurity.show, for recaps and show notes from all of our podcasts. We hope these bite-sized cyber lessons have given you new tools in your digital security toolbox. This is your host signing off until next time. Stay safe in the digital world. You've been listening to Bite Size Security.